0: everybody. It's Jefferson White here. And welcome to the official Yellowstone podcast presented by Wynn Las Vegas. So hopefully, if you're here, you might know me as Jimmy on the Dutton Ranch. But right now, I'm a long way from Montana. I'm a long way from the bunkhouse. I'm actually recording this podcast from an incredible studio in the Wynn Las Vegas. If you know anything about me, it's probably that uh, I'm new to a lot of this. And believe it or not, this is also actually my first time in Las Vegas. And uh, I got to tell you, I have been absolutely floored. When Las Vegas is hosting us here and every single little detail has been incredible, I can't think of a more amazing place to stay. To be totally honest, they're going to have a hard time getting rid of me. So let's dive in. Let's get you up to speed. The whole point of this podcast is to bring you closer to the world of Yellowstone. As the universe of the show expands, as it keeps getting you know bigger and bigger, <laughs> we're going to go deep with the current cast and crew. We're going to talk to the producers. We're going to talk to the creators, everyone that brings you the incredible world of Yellowstone. It, it's really wild to think that, that what started as an incredible professional opportunity for me has now turned out to be a truly life changing experience. I feel just so, so lucky to be a part of this, talking to, learning from such incredible actors, creators, and, and honestly, j- just plain old good people. One of the tremendous gifts of Yellowstone is that for the last four years now, I feel so lucky to have been surrounded by such a remarkable community, such a remarkable family of incredible filmmakers, incredible performers, incredible cowboys. Uh, incredible technicians, but also, honestly, just just really, really remarkable people. So this is going to be a wild ride. That said, you've probably heard enough of me to last a couple of lifetimes, so let me introduce our first guest. I feel incredibly fortunate, incredibly lucky, incredibly blessed today to have in the studio with me Luke Grimes. You know Luke uh, from many roles in the past, but also right now, why we're here, the reason we're here, is Luke plays Casey Dutton on Yellowstone. Luke, thank you so, so, so much for being here.
1: Of course, man, this is awesome. And nobody better to do it with than you. I'm glad you're hosting this thing, this is perfect.
0: Thanks, bro, what a pleasure. It's been, obviously, you know, at, at this point, we've known each other for for four years. Yeah. I've had the, the pleasure of knowing you and sort of uh, stepping into this world alongside you for the last four years. Will you just take a second and catch us up on everything before Yellowstone, on your journey leading up to Yellowstone. Take as long or as short as you like.
1: Uh, well, huh, that's it. Yeah, so I guess, you know, I'm from Ohio. That's where the journey started. I uh, was one of those weird kids who always wanted to be an actor and uh, just loved movies, you know, wanted to be a part of it. I uh, moved to New York when I was uh, 18, went to an acting school, uh, moved to L.A. when I was 20, and started pounding the pavement. And then... Uh, some point along the way, uh, Taylor uh, found me, kind of picked me out of obscurity and let me be on this show, which has been the greatest joy of my life.
0: Talk to me about, so we, we first met before season one, sort of preparing for the work of season one. Talk to me about your, your experience with horses prior to the show and the work you did to sort of prepare yourself for the show.
1: Very little horse experience before Yellowstone. Um, I'd done a Western before, um, but coincidentally in that movie it was the remake of Magnificent Seven I wasn't supposed to really be good at horse riding so they just didn't really let me get good at it and I I, you know I rode one of those movie horses that just sort of walks up hits a mark you say your lines and it sits there and it's lazy you know and then obviously Yellowstone we ride like real horses (laughs) Uh, who don't tend to sit still as much and So obviously we needed a little more preparation. Um, I remember Taylor called me when I got the job. It it was like six weeks out from us actually shooting. And he's like, you need to go ride like every day. So in LA, um, he had me going to uh, like a raining coach twice a week. Uh, then I would go see Jason Rodriguez uh, at his ranch and we would do like roping and more cowboy style stuff and yeah so just kind of every discipline then we'd see you know when we met Jake Reem, we started doing the cutting um, and yeah it was I mean look man they, it, I feel like we're almost like you know we have stunt doubles Taylor likes to use them as little as possible so he wanted us to be as prepared as we could because he loves authenticity and he knows that the more that people see us actually on the horse, you know, the more they're gonna buy everything. So um, it's been awesome, man. It's a skill set I never saw coming that has been such a joy to learn.
0: And you're asked to do almost more than anybody else on this show. I'm thinking of a sequence where you like, ride up alongside a truck and rope the driver out of the (laughs) truck. Like you're asked to do an incredible amount of also very varied skills varied riding skills you know roping riding training horses i think the very first time we see casey he's working with a stallion is that right yeah so talk to me about approaching all those different sort of very specific skills
1: uh i mean look i do i have a a fantastic stunt double who's just like a real cowboy jordan warwick is jordan usually jordan yes what up jordan uh he's awesome makes me look (laughs) cool as shit uh yeah, and there's, I mean, obviously, when, when, when I ride up and rope that guy to the truck, he did the roping there, uh, which, beca- I mean, it, who can do that, right? But he actually did it, he, and, he, and it was like a backwards style that he had to do to get in the window, and there's no way I could have done that. Um, but yeah, like, like, like I said, Taylor likes me to do as much as I can, um, and little by little, every year I've been able to do more. Um, and I, I, to this day, my favorite moment was, uh, there, there's a sequence in this coming season, I think it's the next episode that airs actually, um, where I kind of go wrangle up these uh, these mustangs and have to chase this group of mustangs, kind of herd them up and chase them through this huge pasture. And um, you know, the stunt double did it once. Taylor's like, you wanna try it? And I was scared to death, but of course I wanted to try it. And to this day, the greatest day I've ever had on a set. I mean, it was like, it was like catching a wave because this horse is trying to keep up with these wild horses and it just becomes part of this herd. And I'm for the full, for the, for the first time in the show, like full tilt, like running as dead fast as it can. It was awesome, it was so cool.
0: And that's, as an actor, that's an incredibly like immersive experience. You know what I mean? Like you're surrounded by nature. As you so described cool. it, there's a wave of horses sort of cresting in front of you. That That, there's very little faking it at that point. You don't really have to fake anything. You're actually on the horse speeding through the underbrush or whatever. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about the experience of being out in Montana to shoot, being out on our sets in our sort of wilderness and how that informs your work as an actor?
1: I mean, I I've, I've always said I think the the scenery, the, you know, Montana is probably the biggest character in our show. It's such a part of the show. Um and yeah, being able to go shoot there, I mean, I fell so in love with that I moved there. I literally moved to where we shoot. That's like, you know, obviously it, it got in me somehow. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it, the the romantic idea of the West. And I think part of the reason why people love the show so much is being able to kind of escape, you know, and sit in their living room and go to this place. I think it's one of the most important parts of our show. And it's what the show is about, sort of fighting for that, the, the romantic idea, idea of what that could be, you know. Um, the Yellowstone Ranch kind of, is at the crux of everything in the show and, and, and everyone's fighting over it. And it's you know basically just the beauty of the West is at the core of everything we do here. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nature and Montana itself and the ranch are, are at the sort of very heart of the show. And another theme is family. Another theme that's very like foundational to the show is family. So will you talk a little bit about working with Wes, working with Kelly, working with Dave, working with Kevin um, and and that sort of family that's at the core of the entire show that you've been working with for four years now.
1: Man, it is such a blessing to show up to work with these people. I mean, I, I think, you know, people always say this about, you know, the jobs are, on. I feel so lucky to be able to go to work with all of these fantastic actors. And there's so many talented people, you know, from our cast to our, our crew, uh, to, Taylor who I think is the greatest writer out there Um, and I think he has kind of a sixth sense for sweet kind people I mean it's just such a good group and um, you know we we obviously didn't get to shoot this year we've got uh, pushed a little bit and I I really missed it man I, I felt myself it was like something was missing you know and I and I actually I kind of like I think about like when this show is over, over and I get a little anxiety about the end of it because I just love this group of people so much, you know, and I know you know that, too. I mean, we we actually really have a good time making this thing.
0: Yeah, And that's, you know, when you're it's a little bit the same as the environment, like you can't fake Montana. And it's also hard to fake family. It's hard to fake these relationships that are sort of lifelong commitments You know, we've talked a lot about how cowboying, horsemanship, that's a lifelong commitment. And so is family. Like by the time we meet these characters, they've known each other their entire lives. Right. And something that really helps with that, something that really, I think, contributes to that authentic feeling is the fact that we've now known each other for four years. Like when you're in a scene with Wes, or when you're in a scene with with Kelly or Kevin, you guys have been working together for so long that that does some of the work for you. There's a familiarity That you can't help but feel with your collaborators
1: yeah yeah absolutely and 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 it's a you know everyone seems to really care about this job equally um you know there's no one there who kind of is phoning it in or doesn't want to be there you know and that's you know everyone's fully committed and uh and like i said before i mean it's just it's a joy to, to to work with these people because everyone really wants to make something great and the fact that it's you know become the success that it's become is just a cherry on top you know we, we loved making it already and now everyone is seeming to enjoy what we're doing which just feels pretty fantastic
0: yeah, it's an incredible gift after yeah. having yeah we've been with this script for you know four and a half years and for it to sort of to feel like part of this much much larger community now to feel like these fans are sort of joining this family that yeah. we've been a part of for years i always find you know, the, the show is, it's incredibly violent at times, it's incredibly dark. You know, Beth, Jamie, these powers rip, these powers sort of tearing at each other in constant sort of contest with each other. It gives the show this incredible darkness, this incredible anger. But I think you're totally right that also at the core of it is this love. You know, people are making these decisions and they're doing, Terrible violent things for the sake of what they love Mm -hmm. and I feel like Casey particularly Over and over again makes these choices from a place of love, you know, he he's kind of stuck in between Beth and Jamie's lifelong Battle, you know, Mm -hmm. these two people who hate each other so much kind of the inverse of that love is this like deep you know when that flips on its head because of that that betrayal Casey is always trying so hard to sort of bring that back together or hold it together. So will you talk about knowing everything you do about Jamie, about Jamie and Beth's history, what it's like to do those scenes with Wes, because it often feels like Casey is Jamie's only ally on the ranch.
1: Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you nailed it on the head. I mean, Casey's between a rock and a hard place from episode one. And, uh, He always tries to see the best in people you know he's the kind of guy who gives people the benefit of the doubt and um always tries to make the right choice and seemingly in the world of yellowstone there is no right choice you know you just watch this guy struggle to try to take the right path and um and you know he just he represents um, the way i've always read it is kind of just the beating heart of this crazy world and trying to do what's right by his his own family with uh, monica and tate but then the legacy uh that that is so important to his father um and yeah the uh jamie beth you know i don't get enough scenes with kelly i'll just say that i wish we had more i think the only you know the only scenes that we've had together are like really terrible dinners where she leaves <laughs> <laughs> i would love to just have a scene long. where we sit and talk for a few minutes that would be nice um, yeah, and you've definitely seen him interact a lot more with Jamie, and, and I think he, you've just noticed he, he just wants to see the best in people, you know, especially when it comes to his family.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because he's also caught in this middle generation. He feels this tremendous responsibility to John Dutton mm-hmm. that pulls him in one direction. His father's asking him for one thing. And his son, Tate, is asking him for something completely different. And so he's getting pulled in two. you know, his responsibility to his father and his responsibility to his son, his responsibility to his sister and his responsibility to his brother. It just feels like no matter what he does, even when he operates from a place of love, he's also sort of creating rifts on the other side of the equation. To, to be with Tate, he has to distance himself from John. Right. To be with John, to go and live on the ranch and be closer to John, he's making things more difficult for Tate and Monica. Right. So will you talk about just being caught in the middle and that tension?
1: Yeah, I think you know, what we've been watching is kind of a simmer uh, that's come to a boil over four seasons of, uh, like I said, him sort of being stuck in between trying to make the right choice in any given direction, and I think season four, uh, where where we end with Casey in season four, uh, not to give too much away, he really you see him at the at the beginning stages of really making a hard decision about which sort of path he's going to choose, um, which I think will feel really nice uh, to to the audience uh, for you know because finally you're going to watch this guy have to make a decision. You know we've seen him sort of make smaller decisions and then back away and he's you know gone from living at the reservation to the ranch and then they move away again and you know i think finally you're going to see him have to sort of man up and decide what he's going to do and um you know ultimately i don't know where that goes i wish i did Uh, (laughs) taylor won't tell me uh, but it's pretty fun i get to experience that you know sort of as the audience does
0: yeah, it's amazing. He he has this sort of dual loyalty that, that means that there is no right decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just honestly, that's good writing and that's true writing. Like there are no good guys and bad guys. Right. There are no, there's no black and white here. There's no correct answer in part because... There are a lot of people fighting for what they believe in, all of whom are right, and those things are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like John Dutton has, uh, you know, is, is fighting for what he believes in. He believes that this he has a responsibility to his family to protect this land. Rainwater is fighting for what he believes in. He ha- he believes he has a responsibility to his people to protect this land. Everybody is fighting for something that, when you look at it on the small scale, it is exactly right. But when you zoom out, you start to realize, oh, they're incompatible. Yeah, Not everybody can win. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's sort of one of Taylor's you know, big talents as a writer and just just you know, a brilliant mind is that he kind of raises more questions than he answers. And uh, that's what I've always liked about our show. And I think people going into our show sometimes will make an assumption about its political views And uh, what you find out is that it's not giving you a point of view, it's just asking a lot of questions and letting you decide the answers for yourself. And yeah, it is a lot like life, you know, in life we're all sort of the villain and we're all the good guy at times. That's
0: exactly right, it's not as convenient, it's not as easy as these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, these are all complicated people making decisions that they feel are right in the moment. And then sometimes, I mean for Casey, something that has always compelled me so much about Casey is Casey makes the decisions that are right in the moment over and over again and over and over again that drags him back into violence drags him back into danger drags him into this life that he's been trying to escape yeah. for years and years and ends up putting his family in, in trying to protect his family he puts his family in danger
1: yeah uh you know I think my favorite line of Casey's I'm trying try to not get it wrong here because obviously you know like I said I, lo- I love Taylor's one-liners he's he's the best at it there's something about uh you know I never I've never I've killed a lot of men but I've never murdered one yeah you know which is kind of and he has you've you've seen him sort of have to deal with death a lot and sort of uh, taking people out and protection of his family and stuff like that but I think at the core of that it's never he doesn't like doing it you know it's not it's not something that he it it kind of finds him in in some way. Um, And uh, they're usually pretty justified. I I was saying before that there's never villains in our show, but every once in a while, just for fun, Taylor throws one in and then Rip gets to off them in some really awesome yeah, way. exactly. And that's, very, that's pretty fun.
0: That's always very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: no bad guys,
0: except the bad guys, yeah. and Rip kills them very quickly. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. In <it'll> the last long. <laughs> Will you talk a little bit about working with, because you're also, you and I are in an interesting position here in this kind of middle generation. So you've got Kevin Costner, a legend. And part of what I find so fun about the show is that Kevin is a legend playing a legend. John mm-hmm. Dutton is himself a legend in the state of Montana. He is an iconic figure that every character in the show looks up to already. But you're in this interesting middle position where you've also got Tate, Breck, and Merrill, who, who you are sort of caring for. So will you talk about working with a young
1: actor and, and what that experience is like for you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd never really, I've never played a dad before. It was the first time I played someone who had children um, or a child and uh, I had a lot of questions from my friends who have kids you know I wanted to make sure to approach that in some way that felt genuine because I don't and um, there there are actually times in you know where I would read something in the script and talk to Taylor and be like so why do I do this like why would uh, I remember the the moment I read when Casey goes home uh, at the end of season one and I was like why does he do that mm. like I don't understand obviously like I feel like he would rather die than admit defeat in that Mm way um he said for your son and I was like oh okay yeah so that's what I'm not getting like the their life becomes more important than your own and um so it's been kind of interesting to to explore that um not having gone through that myself and I mean Brecken's a fantastic little actor uh great dude uh love working with him and and, uh, you know, you have to be pretty present when you work with young kids. He's obviously grown up a lot. Over, yeah, I was going to know. say four he's, years. He, yeah, he's like six foot tall now. I don't, like, <laughs> it's a different person. Uh, but well, yeah, when he was a kid, it was great. He, you know, you just have to be really present with him. And there was so much kind of like, you know, truth and, and having to listen and really react in real time, you know, with kids, nothing feels rehearsed. You know, you're kind of you're in it with them and, and, and you got to be on your toes a little bit. They, what did they say? They like never act with children or animals i think i only acted with children and animals the whole first season (laughs) it's like on a horse with a kid Uh, (laughs) um and yeah and obviously like working with uh kevin you're you're like okay you've done everything in this career you've you know won an oscar you've been in so many great movies and and you're you're an icon and a legend what the the challenge there was to sort of like make him my dad in my mind, and not Kevin Costner, yeah. and that's no fault of his own. He's a great actor, but it's uh, you know it's hard not to look at Kevin Costner and you know think about like Field of Dreams or like any of these iconic roles he's played. Um, well, that was the fear, and then you know working with him, he's 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 so committed and so good, and um, he cares so much that you that that it goes away pretty quick, mm. and that is to his credit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Luke, thank you so, so, so much for being here, man. It's such a joy to talk about this stuff with you. It's such a joy to sort of dig a little deeper with all this stuff. And I just, I can't thank you enough
1: for your time. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. This has been fun.
0: What a pleasure. Incredible talking to Luke. Any normal podcast, that might be it for the day. Uh, Not here. (laughs) What we're going to do now is we're going to bring you the other side of the coin. We want to bring you the whole picture. So we're going to take a breath. And when we come back, we're going to sit down with the infamous Jamie Dutton. Wes Bentley. Today we are speaking to Wes Bentley. Wes obviously plays Jamie Dutton. Wes uh, Wes plays one of the sort of most complicated, most complex, love to hate him, uh, brilliant characters, in my opinion, in the history of television. Uh, So it has been an incredible joy for me to watch Wes uh, and learn from Wes as an actor over the course of the last four years. And it's also been an incredible gift to uh, to get to know who I am proud to call my, my good friend, Wes. So, Wes, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Oh, my God, man. I'm going to, like, tear up. That was, <laughs> that was such a nice thing to say, man. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm really happy that you're doing this. Uh, you're so much fun, man. I, I, you're the exact guy who would need... To run this whole podcast thing, although I've never done a podcast before, so this is my first time. Is
0: this really your first podcast?
2: Yeah, be gentle with me.
0: <laughs> That's incredible, man. It's an audio format. So if you do cry, just narrate it. You know what I mean? Just sort of describe
2: it. <laughs> I am crying one tear from the left eye is about halfway down my cheek. One is just forming in the right eye. So it will it will get it'll catch up. It's Jamie Dutton's fault. Now I didn't ever I told Taylor. And I've probably told every other director I've ever worked with, I, don't, I can't really just, like, cry on <laughs> command. It's not in my toolbox. And uh, now that is just uh, every scene. So, you know, Wes Bentley now tears up at, at openings to podcasts.
0: I was going to say, that sounds like Taylor took that as a challenge because I feel like Jamie, he took it as a challenge that he was going to make you cry by putting Jamie through sort of the most difficult, most traumatic series of events so, talk to me a little bit. You, you obviously, obviously, the folks, the folks listening to this are uh, are familiar with the character. They have a lot of feelings about the character, I'm sure. But just for a second, will you just take a second and talk about your life, sort of how you wound up on Yellowstone, everything before we met Jamie?
2: As far as like becoming an actor and like, I'll start there because I think a lot of people are always interested in that. Like, why? When did you know? you know that's the kind of thing i always think about anyway and, and it's my brothers you know i had these great brothers and we we loved monty python because my dad loved monty python and we like to joke around and improv with each other and try to make each other laugh and it was a challenge so you know we worked hard at it and um that that showed me that i liked doing that and you know i did like church plays i grew up in the church and i did um school plays and and I did, you know, I did improv in high school, and 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 a few of these acting competitions. We did that in Arkansas. These like weird, like competitions with acting, and that went well. So my mom decided to take it upon herself to apply me to Juilliard, which I was just looking for like these little small colleges to maybe play soccer at and do a little bit of theater. And she's like, "No, I think you should go for it." So we, she, she did the application. It was a lot of money for us. You have to pay to apply, and. Um, they did it anyway. And we drove up to Chicago and I did that audition. So I got, and I got in. It was crazy and amazing. So moved to New York, did one year of Juilliard. It really wasn't for me. It was uh it's very it was very um, you know, um classical stage centric and very technical. And these weren't things that I was I was responding to as an actor. And so I started to be curious about leaving and I went with a friend to a cattle call audition. He was gonna go to audition for the you know, the the touring show of Rent. <laughs> and I'm not really a singer, but I was like, all right, I don't want to go to school, so let's go do that. <laughs> so we went and did that, and uh, outside, before we even went in, a casting director walked by and uh, was trying to, like, pick out people, right, for something else. And she handed me the a card she had and uh, asked me to come and read for this little independent film. Uh, and I was like... Yeah, well, yeah, of course. And I did the rent audition. Got a callback, by the way. I don't know like what bar they had set on that call, but it was definitely low. <laughs> so then I, um, you know, I went to read for that that movie like right after. Went directly to it, and um, seven callbacks later, I did it. It was a little tiny movie with Kate Walsh, who was in um, um, Grey's Anatomy, and um, and it was uh, it, it kind of sent me off. I got an agent right away, and then that kicked everything into gear. And I I worked hard in New York. I went, you know, to auditions and I tried to do it. I told myself, "You got one year. If it doesn't work, because I didn't have money, you know, it was really hard to live in New York." Like that, as you know, I'm sure at times it's you know, it's rough. And 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 so I I, I then got a, a role. I, I came in for this character who was from Arkansas, which is where I'm from, and you know, I was going to be shot in Arkansas. And man, I really pushed myself in that. In those auditions, I was like, I'm not really, I don't sell myself very well. But in those moments, I was so desperate. I did. I really pushed the Arkansas thing. And I, you know, I think it came down to me and a couple guys. And I got that was that with Antonio Banderas and Ellen Barkin and um, Bob Hoskins. It was like great, you know, great cast. But I did that. And then I had a little period. I decided to go check out LA had some money, tiny bit of money. went to go see L.A. And they gave me a script before when I was leaving on the plane and it was uh, called American Beauty. And I saw who was attached. And at the time, you know, this is the the highest caliber cast I'd seen in, in a project that sounded like what I was looking for. You know, not just desperate for a job, but it was a, a dark comedy. And in the 90s, those were all, you know, ten, were, were gold, especially the well-written ones like we had. And, so on that plane ride out there, I, I you know teared up in a couple of scenes, and I just thought to myself, I got to get this. And so I got to LA. My my manager was like, Well, you don't have an audition, but why don't you just go in there and tell them that you thought you had an audition, <laughs> and um, you know all these tricks, right? And and uh, and so I did that, and it worked. I mean, man, I'm grateful. Was that a long answer or what?
0: That's a fantastic act, answer, and I'm so glad to know this about you. First of all, I'm amazed that we haven't talked about this before, but also there, there's an incredible sort of synergy between your experience and, and bear with me here for a second, Jamie's experience. So you grew up with brothers with whom you sort of shared a camaraderie, you shared a sense of belonging, you really felt like yourself with your brothers, and then you sort of, you... You, Wes, went on to pursue your dreams. You, Wes, went on to follow what it was you truly felt called to. And Jamie was asked to do something else. John Dutton said to Jamie, I need you to fill this different role for me. I see what you could do. And he sort of diverted his destiny in some way, sent him to law school, right? Sent him away to go and practice something completely alien to him, something that wasn't what brought him joy or sort of filled him up. And out of a sense of responsibility, Jamie did what his father asked him to do. And in a lot of ways that changed his trajectory and sort of separated him, alienated him, isolated him from the life he had known and the sort of sense of shared destiny with his brothers. So that, that, that's just a fascinating kind of, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a two roads diverging in a yellow wood moment. Because it feels like so mm-hmm. much of what defines Jamie is this sense of duty and responsibility being directly in conflict with his instincts or what he really wants or what he really longs for and the tension that arises when those two things collapse into each other. So will you just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about, you know, the, the mm-hmm. different sort of big motivating forces that continue to pull Jamie apart mm-hmm. and pull Jamie mm-hmm. in different directions? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and Jefferson, what great insight! I mean, I'm not surprised. You always have such great insight. I, I do use that. You know, I use that, my own, my own ability to say, yeah, I'm going to go for it, and I, I'm going, and, and then going and doing it, the action following. And it's been a challenge because Jamie didn't do that. Therefore, that's a big break between us, right? Like I, I do that a lot. Jamie is the, is the opposite. His, you know, he was, he was pulled in. He was told who he was and, and it wasn't who he wanted to be. You know, I, I, I had my own backstory ideas that Jamie was probably a good baseball player and or an athlete of some kind, and he he probably saw himself, you know, following that dream at some point and being one of the cowboys, you know, and being one of the guys that his got his dad seemed to admire and look up, look to, turn to. And you know, it's devastating. And so to explore that devastation, I see it as devastation of not following your dream and becoming what's told you to be is the opposite of anything i accept in life. So, you know, i had to really really break ground on that to get to Jamie and understand how he could have come to accept it. And 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 i found some things, you know, along the way and Taylor's given me lots of things a lot more than I can to play with that. And and you know, and and so it's you know, that's really hard. But and and diving into Jamie, I think he had a hard time with it. I think he also has over his forty years come to accept it, and also seen the. You know, he's a strategist, Jamie. See the moves ahead. He's four or five moves ahead, right? And so he's always. I think he he saw. Okay, I'm doing this, but I'm going to get something out of this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I might get the ranch out of this because I'm gonna save the ranch. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna make me be this, then I'm gonna do everything I can to make that ranch the best thing possible, as Jamie. And so that's that sort of sets Jamie on then a, a pattern of I think becoming a very materialistic person. You know, when you're not doing what you can do in your heart to make it dressed up and decorated and, and feel amazing, well, then you're gonna do it to the rest of you, right? Your face your hair, your suit your whatever and you're gonna like try to make all that all that substantive substance or whatever you know the material look good instead since the inside is is gone that's the path that started to go on with jamie and, and it was like it was a it was a it was a papered over um crack that that was bound to be torn open, which is what started to happen
0: yeah it's fascinating it it feels like um Part of what defines Jamie, especially as you articulate it there, is this suppression of his maybe instincts, suppression of his desires. And what has supplanted that or what has come to the surface is leading with his intellect, because he's a sort of brilliant mind. As you say, he's a brilliant strategist. And he's had to sort of, for the sake of his father, for the sake of his family, what he's been asked to do is suppress and deny what he wants, and to sort of take on this role as a kind of ruthless, efficient, Mm. calculating, legal genius to protect the ranch. Mm. And then, of course, those instincts bubbling up underneath, that need for love, that desire to impress his father, all of that stuff, of Mm. course, doesn't go away. It's you know, Mm -hmm. bubbling under the surface, and it causes him to act out in these explosive expressions of that. And something that I think you do so expertly as an actor is that, you know, Jamie, acting, a lot of people talk about operating on impulse. It's about following your impulses. It's about about sort of letting your impulses guide you. And Jamie is somebody who suppresses all of his impulses. He keeps it all (laughs) under control. He is sort of always performing. The character is always performing. But then I think of these explosive scenes Mm. that have become some of my favorite scenes Mm. of the show when it breaks out, when 20 years of suppressing Mm. his anger, 20 years of suppressing his instincts explodes out of him. And I'm thinking right now, I think it's season one in Mm. the barn with you and Beth. And it feels like Beth is somebody who spends a lot of time trying to crack through that facade and get down to the real yeah. Jamie. So then talk to me in season 4 obviously the question of Jamie's family and the family loyalty that Jamie feels gets complicated that much more because you know this huge revelation of Jamie's biological father and his developing relationship with Garrett. So will you talk a little bit about what that means to Jamie, what it feels like, you know, to have this maybe this new chance to win love, how that sort of affects his relationship with JD? and yeah sort of that that introduction that complication to the question of yeah. Jamie's family
2: well to get there i'll just go back a little bit to um as we go through you know when when um Jamie has killed the reporter and then feels a sense of danger from his own family they're not going to protect him now they see him as a liability um that's like one of the big chipped away moments where he doesn't you know everyone else gets protected but Jamie wasn't all of a sudden feeling that way. Uh, he felt under threat. And and, and then, you know on top of the trauma that he caused himself with the murder there's a, now another uh, trauma happening that's even ripping away that loyalty even more cuz now he feels under threat from his own family who cover everybody up. <laughs> you know they they literally cover people they don't know up like just
0: yeah they save so, jimmy's so, ass so. over and over again Do
2: <laughs> you think they could do it for
0: jamie right they kill a, you know they'll kill anybody jimmy's pissed at, you know it's like wild the double standard it you applies have, to everybody except jamie
2: it's right on man and you have no idea the resentment jamie holds for jamie by the way i just <laughs> want to let you know that right now
0: We've been in one scene, or maybe we've had two scenes together, and I felt it. I felt your blistering contempt for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was my actor's secret. (laughs) Go back and watch those scenes, you'll feel
0: it. Yeah, so here's a question for you, not to get too meta here, but John Dutton Mm -hmm. asked Jamie to be the bad guy. He asked Jamie to go Mm -hmm. become a fucking hard-ass, become a politician, become everything that John Dutton hated. And Taylor Sheridan has asked you, Wes Bentley, to be a very difficult character, a character that people are going to hate sometimes. I mean, and you you can't help but be so likable that they're going to love you sometimes too. But Taylor has asked you to step into this incredibly complicated, incredibly difficult character who is, you know... Sometimes easy to hate. What does that feel like for you? What does it feel like to sort of carry that responsibility—the responsibility, in a lot of ways, you're a scapegoat for all the sort of difficult things the Duttons go through. How does that feel?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, man. And thanks for another compliment. Like, uh, that's uh, it's nice. It, it, it's, um, uh, you know, like I, uh, the first, one of the first rules I learned as an actor. From someone, I can't remember who it was, probably a Juilliard, was to not judge your character, and I thought that was okay. All right, that makes sense because if you don't judge your character, um, then you don't make a caricature, right, of a, a version of a person. So I try to like do. I try to do everything I can to not do that. It's really hard with Jamie, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, like so. Uh, I, I in that I say like when I'm as I play the role and. You know, I try to avoid a lot. I try to avoid a lot to um to keep my head in the in the character and and try to fully be from his point of view who he is. He's got his own judgments of himself. I'm talking about Wes's judgment of of him. So it's kind of a pure <laughs> mindset as you as you're doing the role and you know I I'm only seeing from Jamie's point of view and then I start get peppered in from people that ooh, Jamie huh. <laughs> <laughs> and and from my reaction is like, oh yeah yeah huh Jamie and and I'm thinking like oh 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 what what's going on like because I'm still kind of trying to avoid any of those judgments they may have, and 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 I'm not even reading it in the scripts right and I'm just doing what I'm doing and yeah I know he does bad things and yeah he's all those fights are having but I I'm not really realizing that he's like becoming the villain until everyone's telling me he's the villain. <laughs> Which I think is pretty cool, right? I mean, like I had no idea. Taylor was never like, Look, you're gonna be you're gonna be, um, the guy everyone hates and you're gonna you know, you're gonna be you're gonna do this and that. And really honestly, even from my point of view, I could see b before I really fully knew what happened between Beth and Jamie. And I'll tell you I didn't know. I uh I didn't know the exact thing that happened. Um uh, I I, uh, I I just sort of like kind of felt for him in that relationship, you know, like myself, and I was like, he's the victim of this relationship, and so you know, being in that mindset, it's really hard to think of it as like, oh, I'm going to be the this guy to the audience, um, and that's also something I avoid. I love our audience, and I love audiences. I do it for you, but I am not thinking about you at all while I'm <laughs> while I'm trying to portray this human being. I've got all my energy and, and being as honest as I can about them in a moment that is is crucial to their story. And so, you know, it's been a surprise to realize to what level. I I, I should say at the end of three, when I read what happened, that there was the moment, I, you know, my full realization. Oh, <laughs> you know, here it is. But I'm still seeing it from Jamie's point of view in a way too that he was making some clever moves that were to the benefit of the ranch but but he's also a guy who is really mad really mad and really hurt and powerful and so he's dangerous but um but but to to answer your question fully i i actually enjoy it now you know i'm so aware of it now and i've been doing press and you know more aware of it than ever of you know what level of conflict is going on about Jamie you know I'm not on social media or check the internet ever so I don't know about these things but I guess there's a fight between whether Jamie's a someone to redeem or not <laughs> and I and, you know I count that as a success
0: Oh, and I think it's amazing what you said about the audience because part of that is that you're not condescending to the audience to presume yeah. what they want from you you're not trying to control anyone's experience of you you are sort of advocating for the character you're making decisions that make sense for the character in the moment without zooming out Mm. and you're leaving it up to the audience you're leaving it up to the other characters on the show to have the eagle eye Mm. view of jamie and to make their own decisions about him wes um yeah this has been such an incredible treat you are i just want to say one more time like you have the character has been through more on this show than any other character and i have learned so much from watching your performance, but also just watching the way you navigate how fucking weird it is to move to Montana for four months (laughs) a year. And (laughs) you've taught me so much, both as an actor and as a person. So I'm so, so grateful to you for a million reasons. Mm. And thank you for taking the time to do this.
2: My man, I I got to give this back to you. Same thing. We connected right away as soon as you showed up to Cowboy Camp. You and I, I just, I saw you, I knew you, I, I wanted to get to know you more. And as I've gotten to know you more, I just think you're you are such a great guy. You're such a great actor. What you've done with Jimmy, I think, is it, you've elevated the character. You brought him out of, of the shadows because you play him on, you know, I think you understand a lot of things I'm saying because you also play as honest as you can to the, the core of the character. And you, the growth you've given him, the growth he's gone from that first season to the cowboy. What? <laughs> you know, it's like I saw you at Cowboy Camp, by the way. But, anyways, I, you know, I, uh, I admire you as well. Those scenes we had together, I want more. Um, um uh, because you're one of those actors that I've learned from as well. And I, you know, and I, and I admire also. Yeah, uh, I'm so jealous that you're doing this podcast thing because I think that you're. <laughs> I think that you're probably the best guy for it. And I'm I'm really happy that you're doing it because uh, the show really needs it. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this show, huh? Oh,
0: yeah, man. And there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, talk to you sure. very
2: soon. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. I, pr- I miss you, man.
0: Miss you too, brother. Bye now. I feel so so lucky for the opportunity to talk to the dutton boys today as a little teaser next week i'm going to sit down with none other than beth and rip kelly riley and cole hauser i can't wait to chat with them you don't want to miss that so make sure to subscribe and tune in to the official yellowstone podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts the official yellowstone podcast is hosted by me jefferson white and produced by 101 podcast studios and paramount network